0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I hope you're, uh, you're really getting something out of this episode and out of the Dustin Gold Standard as a whole. I think when you come here... Uh, especially if you're someone who hasn't filed this stuff in depth over the years, you're picking up, you know, hundreds of pieces of intelligence with every single show we do here at the Dustin Gold Standard. I mean, I'm really trying to teach you about this entire system, not just fight the little fires that pop up all over the place. We can't run around trying to put out these little fires. At the same time, I think it's counterproductive to have false hope like, hope that the system is going to go back to normal. What is normal? Was the system normal before COVID landed the high school theater production? Was everything okay before that? Or was everything that we were living under then all controlled and fake as well? Well, of course it was. All of these systems were already in place. COVID 19 is just another blip. On the radar, off of all of these other crises we just read from this International Monetary Fund history going back to 1940. So if you want to take from the Great Depression era... Uh, around when the international monetary, or, sorry, when the Bank for International Settlements was funded in 1930, at the very beginning of the Great Depression. And then in the United States, uh, FDR puts the New Deal together, which we know comes out of Columbia University at the same time the technocrats were working there with, uh, Technocracy Incorporated, and then the Social Security number comes into place, which tags everyone in the United States. I mean, that's a big piece of the puzzle. And then we go through all these crises from 1940 forward where the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and Bank for International Settlements gains more power. And each of these countries gets put under more control of the world banks and the central banks. COVID-19 is just one blip, folks. You can see it if you're watching the shows. we're going through the timeline here. I'm at 2020, a crisis like no other. The COVID-19 pandemic creates the worst recession since the Great Depression, right? So it was another, in my opinion, orchestrated event, just like the rest of them, that gives them more power. COVID allows them to usher in the false industrial revolution. And again, the World Economic Forum is basically the chamber of commerce between the so-called public and private sectors and acts as the marketing arm. Okay, the marketing arm of the new technological world. The uh, merging of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. That's the next step coming out of the World Bank structure. That's the next step. So there was nothing normal before COVID happened, we were always in this system. COVID was set to happen. It was the next crisis, the next World War One, the next World War II. COVID you could look at as a World War Three. What did Trump say? We're fighting the invisible enemy, the invisible enemy. He made it like a war in order to put us into a state of emergency, in order to advance the jabs under the state of emergency, in order to launch Operation Warp Speed under the military. This was all planned and this was going on worldwide. Trump wasn't the only one. It was an orchestrated worldwide event. This is why everything came together in sync. And so, you have a lot of people they get pulled into the distraction you know because of various podcasts and such and social media influencers into still debating over whether johnson and johnson lied or moderna did this or this one said that and fauci said this and then burks had her scarf on backwards did that mean this was she flashing a sign to the illuminati All that stuff was going on here, folks, while it was going on in the rest of the countries that are all part of the BIS, the IMF, and the World Bank structure. Do you understand that? All of this was going on in all those countries. All these crises that take place are orchestrated events. And they're not conspiracy theories. Um, In fact, I don't even think they're really conspiracies. Look at covid and go back to event two hundred one. Go back to Spars pandemic. Go back to Claydex. Look at these things. Event two hundred one was uh, funded by the Gates Foundation and Johns Hopkins. They put it on. It was all over YouTube. Uh, what in October of was it October twenty nineteen, and a few months later, the pandemic kicks off. Come on, they play these things out right in front of us. They they want us to know what's coming. But so, COVID was just this blip on the radar in the whole history of complete and total control by the central bankers, the World Bank, the IMF, and the BIS. It's all orchestrated. So, there was nothing normal before that. The problem is, is that most of us don't understand our enemy. And so, once we start to figure out who the enemy is, and we'll even see, like... People like Peter Thiel that i love to harp on and people like Ray Kurzweil and Elon Musk and Dennis Bushnell, the chief scientist over at NASA, they are nodes within the system. All right. Think about what Elon Musk said. We are nodes in their system. And every time we interact with technology, we're helping them build the technocracy. We're helping them build the artificial intelligence hive mind. We're helping them build the system of total control. Well, they are just nodes in the system as well. All these guys are bit players. They move money around. They force adoption campaigns of technology. They make transhumanism and technocracy cool. They make UBI cool. They make CBDC hip. They're all players in this world. They're nodes within the technocratic system. Now, they are the haves, and they get to sit up at a higher level than we do. But see, the enemy is this whole system, but we also have to understand the history of the system because that's what will finally allow you to free yourself of the illusion uh, of, of some free land we were living in uh, under some liberal democracy or some representative government here in the United States or anywhere within the West, really. That was just an illusion. It was just a realm within the matrix, Right, And now, all of a sudden, you see a little bit of that getting peeled away because they're saying, aha, this is your new normal. Aha, this is the Great Reset. Aha, this is Build Back Better. Aha, this is the false industrial revolution. This is Web 3. This is the metaverse. They're starting to show you. And you go, oh my God, we're losing our freedom. We're losing our liberty. It was taken away a long time ago. It was taken away a long time ago. But the issue... And I think it's important to point this out again, because this is—it's not about blackpilling. It's about understanding your enemy, and then starting to figure out how you're going to build your life to live one foot in and one foot outside this. But I will always say here the silver lining in this is that the technocracy is a paper tiger. And as you can see, more and more, uh, all these solutions, right? Because every problem that these folks create with technology, the solution is always more technology. They're always trying to drive you further into the technological prison planet. But the silver lining is that they are a paper tiger because it's all based on technology. If the technology collapses... If the electricity collapses, if the satellites that they're running this on collapse, if the internet goes down, right? Whether it be our internet or their internet, I think they have a different internet they're operating on. But if that goes down, their whole system collapses. Everything they do ends up collapsing. They can't run their labs, they can't run their servers, they can't run central bank digital currency. That's how they're connecting everything. All right. The other thing. The other silver lining is this, is that I have kind of come to this conclusion um, because I had listened to a lot of podcasts over the years on, you know, lizard people and Nephilim and uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was fun, fun to listen to. Uh, Or are some of these people satanic and they're actually directly working for the devil and all this? See, that stuff I don't buy into because... The system they're building, right, the system they're building, they wouldn't be going through all this with committees and conferences and NGOs and world think tanks and bribing politicians and bribing CEOs and threatening people and blackmail and all the rest of this if they were lizard people. If they were lizard people, why would they go through all this? If they were directly working with Satan, what would be the point of doing all of this stuff? And then, not only having to align all their evildoers, but then they have to trick all the worker bees into helping build this, and then they have to trick all the just normies walking around that don't even work within their systems, they don't have jobs that relate to these systems, into getting on board with this stuff. And they got to trick people into gig work and everything. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. If they were magical wizards, they would just snap their fingers and all this stuff would be done. So there's a silver lining there. Is we're not dealing with some superhuman entity. Now, at some point... Are these guys going to effectively become some sort of human cyborg lizard type thing, plugging a brain chip in their head, walking around with Starlink satellites beaming a a third layer of their brain down in the form of a silicone-based neocortex like Ray Kurzweil and Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and the rest of them want, and then their body is going to have nanobots running through it, and they're going to be able to live forever? I mean, eventually, will we have to battle those kind of people? Yeah, that's probably going to be our biggest problem. But right now, they wouldn't be doing all this and they wouldn't be trying to insulate themselves from uh, one of their orchestrated collapses because the thing that they fear is that we run to their houses and we mow our not in an orchestrated fashion like the coups that they they strategize and they deploy, but in a true... In a true organic fashion, where people rise up and get so pissed off, and run to their homes and start burning them down and dragging them out on the streets, you know, and beating them to death with uh, rotten bananas—I don't know—but um, it tells me that they are flesh and blood because they do fear that everything they do is so orchestrated; it's so planned. All right, it goes on to say 2020s, a crisis like no other. The COVID-19 pandemic creates the worst recession since the Great Depression. 2020, the great lockdown. To tackle the health emergency, countries froze large chunks of economic life. The IMF acts swiftly to help its members. Enormous uncertainty clouds the prospects for the global economy, right? So that's how they end the history here on the website. Uh, with the great lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. So now they don't have anything new on here yet. Why? Because they obviously don't have an orchestrated event that they think was big enough yet. What's going to be next? The great cyber attack or is it going to be the uh, great Russia-Ukraine war they haven't added that here yet? Is it going to be the great uh, electrical grid shortage? I mean, what's it going to be? What's the next big one where the IMF and the World Bank come in and they take more power? Or... Or have they already taken all the power that they need? And maybe that is the case. Maybe they consolidated all the power at this point. All right, we're over at uh, researchpedia.com. That's researchpedia.info. I I said .com. It's researchpedia.info. And I just want to show you this quick article, Difference Between... International Monetary Fund, World Bank and Bank for International Settlements. And it says here, there are many important financial institutions that operate for the economic developments throughout the world. Among these, there are two institutions named as International Monetary Fund and World Bank created by John Maynard Keynes, a great economist of the 20th century in the United States with 44 nations in 1944. So we just learned about that before. These institutions institutions jointly identified as Bretton Woods Institutions. Both of the institutions have a keen interest in economic issues of world and deliberately put their efforts to increase the economic strength of members' nations. The headquarter of both institutions is in Washington, D.C. The Bank for International Settlements is an international financial institution owned and operated by Central banks. So the International Monetary Fund is the focal establishment that provides the worldwide money related framework and raises adjusted development related to world trade, decreases restrictions on trade. Makes exchange rates stable, avoids the currency devaluation, and gives remedy for balance of payment issues. The IMS objective is to prohibit and find solution of worldwide budgetary crisis by urging nations to keep up sound financial approaches. They keep them in line, folks. World Bank it says the World Bank is a worldwide money related foundation devoted to decrease poverty around the globe through capital speculation and trade facilitation. And then the Bank for International Settlements. Is abbreviated as BIS. Its aim is to foster international monetary and financial cooperation. It serves as a bank for central banks. So it says IMF versus World Bank versus BIS. There are some differences among IMF and World Bank, which are explained as follows. Okay, the purpose. The main purpose of the International Monetary Fund is attempting to encourage worldwide money related collaboration secure monetary strength, encourage international trade, and advance high level of employment and practical financial development, and decrease poverty around the globe. So everything, right? So the IMF does everything. While the main concern of the World Bank is to raise financial and social advancement in developing nations by helping them to increase their efficiency and productivity so that their public may carry on with a superior and better life. So, They basically come in and uh, manage your country. It says BIS's purpose is to act as a bank for the central banks. It works by holding congregations and programs for international groups pursuing global financial stability. It works as a facilitator of interaction between international financial organizations. So you have the uh, Bank for International Settlements sitting at the top, founded in 1930. Underneath that, you've got the World bank and then you have all the central banks under there and then you have the imf running around basically hijacking countries all right it's 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 not um i mean you don't have to understand it completely and i've gone through the sites and everything i've read a lot about it you don't have to understand the entire system completely if i was at a chalkboard i would sit here and draw it all for you but what you're going to see here momentarily is that they are all working uh, for the central bank digital currency. They're all in cooperation on this. Let's just see real quick. It says International Monetary Fund has a small staff based on 2,300 workers from 182 member nations. World Bank has a large staff having 7,000 workers from 180 member nations. And then the Bank for International Settlement, Uh, has members, there are 62 central banks and monetary authorities. These 62 members have a right for voting and representation at general meetings. All right, and so assistance it says IMF gives help to all members, either industrial or developing countries, to find out the problem and balance of payment by giving shorter or medium term loans. Right, so the IMF comes in with the money as you saw in the history of their timeline. It says World Bank assists only developing countries by providing them long term financial loans for the development programs and projects. And then the Bank for International Settlements provides assistance to central banks, major financial institutions, and private private individuals in terms of monetary help and settlement of finances. Folks, let's settle on a short break. I went long on that segment. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. you listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.TV slash gold. All right, folks, let's just breeze through this quickly. I'm over at uh, Investopedia.com, Investopedia.com. I just want to clarify this for you. This was another source I had. This is uh, IMF versus the World Bank, just so you understand. Main difference between the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and the World Bank lies in their respective purposes and functions. The IMF oversees the stability of the world's monetary system, while the World Bank's goal is to reduce poverty by offering assistance to middle-income and low-income Countries. All right. So just that there. Now, let's go back to researchpedia.info. This is bank or fund. IMF is actually a fund. That means it does not borrow money. It just lends the fund to 182 member nations. World Bank is actually a bank. That explains that it can borrow and also lend the money. A bank borrows new money from the investors in the world and lends out the money to the countries having poor government for their development projects and to reduce poverty. Bank for International Settlements is a financial institution acting as a bank for international financial groups and central banks. And so the structure, structure of the IMF is not very complex as it's, Uh, Most of its staff works at headquarters, whereas it has small offices in Geneva, Paris, and New York, United Nations, right? So the United Nations in New York. Goes on to say the World Bank structure is uh, somewhat complex uh, as compared to the IMF. It constitutes two main organizations named as the International Development Association, the IDA, and the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development. That's the IBRD, all right? So it's the World Bank. And then you have Bank for International Settlements headquarters are situated at Basel, Switzerland. That was established on uh, May 17, 1930, as we learned earlier. It's an international financial institution that maintains cooperation between 62 central banks. And then it says, IMF is not called a bank, so it does not work between borrowers and investors. The World Bank could be named as an investment bank. It works between investors and borrowers, receiving from one nation and giving it to another. And then the Bank for International Settlements is an international financial organization. It's a bank To the central banks. And so it says here their resources. IMF has notable resources currently valued more than $215 billion. The owners of the World Bank are governments of their 180 member countries having equity shares that were valued $176 billion in 1995. And then the Bank for International Settlements uh, has its revenue. Uh, In IMF special drawing rights, its balance sheet on March 31st, 2019 was $403 uh, billion. And then it says receivers, both poor and wealthier member countries, have freedom to get money Help from the IMF. Wealthier nations or private individuals don't have any right to get assistance from World Bank as it gives loans to only creditworthy nations. The countries which are poor are more likely to get a loan for the World Bank. Those countries are going to receive funds from IBRD, whose per capita GNP is more than... Uh, That actually doesn't matter folks. It goes on to say Bank for International Settlements works as an emergency funder for nations in trouble. It provides emergency funding through the IMF program. right. conclusion here is that the IMF and the World Bank play a significant role in development of developing nations. From their help, countries can achieve financial and economic strength to run their country. Bank for International Settlements, located in Switzerland, is a bank for central banks. It is one of the oldest global financial institutions. It operates for the cooperation of central banks and also to ensure global monetary and financial stability. It works under the auspices of international law. Law. all these banks and financial institutions work for maintaining the financial stability of the whole world which is better in your opinion that's the question that they ask not me i don't like any of it to be honest with you i think um, you would know that <laughs> if you're a regular listener of the dust and gold standard now let me just show you this is uh from july 9 2021 so middle of last year and this is from reuters.com and this says right here Bank for International Settlements, International Monetary Fund call for global coordination on digital C bank currencies. It says in London here the Bank for International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank made a joint call on Friday for global cooperation on central bank digital currencies. Around 90% of the world's central banks are currently looking at creating digital versions of their. Their currencies raising questions about how they will work and operate with each other. "Quote: Central bank digital currencies offer the opportunity to start with a clean slate. It is crucially important that central banks take the cross-border dimension into account." End quote. Said John Cunliffe. Uh, Chair of the Committee on Payments and Market Infrastructures and Deputy Governor for Financial Stability of the Bank of England, said in a report prepared for the G20 meeting in Italy. Quote, the implications of central bank digital currencies, even if only intended for domestic use, will go beyond borders. End quote, added Tobias Adrian, financial counselor and director of the IMF's Monetary and Capital Markets Department. The report said that facilitating international payments with CBDCs could be achieved through different degrees of integration and cooperation, ranging from basic compatibility with common standards to the establishment of international payment infrastructures. Interoperability will be crucial, while multilateral collaboration was also needed on the potential macro-financial consequences CBDCs could cause, it said. All right, so... I just wanted to show you. So now you understand the history of the Bank for International Settlements when we talk about it, the International Monetary Fund when we talk about it, and the World Bank when we talk about it. And then each of these countries has central banks. As we went through the other day, I think there's 190 countries with central banks. It's changing all the time, too. So um, there's a lot of moving targets. But anyway, you understand the structure. This is how they control... All of these countries. I think there was only nine countries left that do not have central banks, but they also do have a form of a central bank. If you actually go look that up, we don't need to get into it because it's not that important. But um, as you can see here, going back to July uh, 2021, not surprisingly, uh, BIS, IMF, and the World Banks come together and call for the creation of the central bank digital currencies. All right, so now you have a solid understanding of this. You're starting to understand a bigger picture of who our enemy is, who actually uh, controls the economic system, the very heart of the various countries out there. It's all run through this central banking system. So now when we get into the next video, we're going to review the International Monetary Fund Central Bank Digital Currency panel discussion from October. Just a couple of months ago, and you're going to see them talk a little bit about programmable money, but it's also very important, just like the World Economic Forum panel discussion we covered, because there's a lot of nuggets that we're going to be able to pull out of this discussion. And so we're getting closer and closer to being able to develop a realistic timeline of when these folks are going to start to roll this stuff out. And then we can start to work that into future solution shows, which I think is very important. Because at the end of the day, you're obviously learning this stuff. You obviously tune in to uh, the Dustin Gold Standard or the Thomas Paine Podcast. Or any of the other shows that are affiliated with this network or shows of people that have been guests on this network, because you want to try to understand what the hell the future is going to look like, what you should do with your investments today, how long are they safe for, uh, should you be pulling out cash, should you be, I don't know, building a bunker underground to live in. I'm not sure if I'm going to go that far, but I think the more we know, the more we know about our enemy, the more we know about our enemy. The more the plans that we develop, our individual personal family plans we develop are going to have a better chance at helping us prosper in the future because we will understand the goals that we write down and the steps to get to those goals. Maybe those steps are wrong and it'll save us a lot of headaches in the future folks and to be honest with you after this episode going through the history of all this stuff i have a massive headache i wasn't planning on actually breaking this all down today i was just going to jump right into international monetary fund cbdc panel discussion but i said you know what I'm automatically assuming that the audience knows what the Bank for International Settlements is, World Bank is, and the International Monetary Fund is. And I better stop for a moment and do a show breaking that all down. And we put it out at midnight on Friday night so people can listen to that on Saturday because it's something you might have to listen to a couple times or maybe you want to jump on the computer jump on these websites poke around and educate yourself a bit more on it and as i said in future episodes we'll get into you know all the conspiracies and stuff surrounding this but Even with the official narrative, folks, just like I say with Operation Paperclip or with MKUltra or with the Singularity Institute, just with the publicly sourced information coming from the official narrative, is that not bad enough? You could see what happens. A crisis ensues and boom, the bankers are there to save the day. But if you want to go look at the other timelines, you'll see that a lot of these crises that ensue come from... Uh, The bankers as well, ladies and gentlemen. The bankers love to be on all sides of everything. That is how you ensure complete and total control. But the money men behind this technocracy are what makes the system work, ladies and gentlemen. This is how the technocracy is coming to fruition. And the people behind it, as I suspect with Howard Scott, the founder of Technocracy Incorporated, Back in the 1920s and 1930s, we found him connected to the guy who is known for starting the Federal Reserve here, our central bank that went into fruition in 1913 under President Woodrow Wilson, was palling around. Howard Scott, the technocrat, was palling around with Frank Vanderlip, who was instrumental in the development of the central bank in the United States, ladies and gentlemen. The bankers are always the boogeyman under the bed they are always the wizard behind the curtain the money the fake money the monopoly money whether in the form of printed fiat currency minted coins or digital tokens it makes the world go round ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard thank you for tuning in to pain.tv gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. more listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.